and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hey! We are back after Ooh. a month hiatus or so <laughs> with some technical difficulties uh. that nobody wants to really hear about or talk about. <laughs> so let's just say computer issues. Yeah. Um, so we are back and we are here to talk about the Willow movie from ni- the 80s, 1987? Eight. 1988 was when it was officially re- released in theaters. All right. And so this is the movie that was um, like conceived by Steven Spielberg, who was like the founder of Willow, pretty much. Um, Ron Howard was the director. And then Bob Dolman adapted the the script, or not script, the screenplay that George Lucas wrote and turned it into the script that we got for the movie here. Yeah. It and just, was a movie uh, that... Just a quick little recap on that. You did say Steven Spielberg, so Steve Spielberg had nothing to do with this, but yes, George <laughs> Lucas wrote the story George and Lucas. it was adapted by Bob Dolman. Just to give a little bit more information on each of those people, the director, obviously, like you said, was Ron Howard, and he's best known for like A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13, and Parenthood, which came out after this. James Horner, who did the music, also did the music for Titanic. And the screenplay, Bob Dolman, he's the... Oh, sorry, music person, Titanic and Avatar. And Bob Dolman is also... uh, He's the writer on the Willow TV show which we'll be covering after uh, this episode. Right, so George Lucas, not Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can tell we're rusty. Um, So this is also a movie, though, that was starring Warwick Davis as Willow, Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan, Joanne Wally as Sosha, and Sorsha, and then Gene Marsh as Bev Morda. The big bad of the movie. All right. So before we get talking about this any farther, we have a couple announcements here. Um, so I'm just going to give out the typical reminders as always. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do that on Instagram, which is at Fantasy Rewind Pod. We're also on Twitter, which is at Fantasy Rewind. While it's still around. Well, it's, yeah, while it's still going. Um, we also have an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com where if you want to get in contact with us through that, you can as well. Um, and then also we have a TikTok that Mike made, <laughs> which <laughs> who knows how long we'll actually use that for, but Mike, what's the handle on that one? Uh, it's at fantasyrewindpod. Alright. So, sure. uh, before we get into talking about the Willow movie as well, we just have some news we're going to talk about here. Um, right off the top, Mike mentioned it already that we will be covering the Willow TV series, which is out right now. Um, however, we will be catching up on that and coming out with some episodes on that one as we watch it. Um, as well as some announcements about the Rings of Power Season 2. So, Mike, do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, so Amazon announced seven new cast members coming to the Rings of Power in Season 2. Um but buried in that news, we've learned that Adar, the Dark Elf, or Father of Orcs, will no longer be played by uh, Joseph Maul. Uh, he is stepping aside, and Sam Hazeldine, 
who is from Peaky Blinders, is going to be taking up that the role that role next season. Which is one of the things that you know is never a good thing to see. <laughs> we no. already saw it with Wheel of Time, where Mathram Coffin, the actor who played him, had to be replaced, and now on Rings of Power, we're seeing Adar being replaced here. Yeah, uh, he is an original character for the series here. So I have no formal attachment to him. However, I thought the actor who did play him in season one did, did a good, good job. enough job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so sad to see him go, but looking forward to seeing what this new gentleman can bring to the screen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So without any farther ado, for the first time in like a month, yeah. let's get into this rewind. Okay. So just a little bit more information about the Willow movie before we jump in. So this movie had a budget of $35 million and it ended up grossing $137.6 million. So it made a lot of money compared to the money spent in it, but it was considered uh, not a super success, especially with George Lucas being behind it and you know being the father of Star Wars. I think they had grander expectations for this movie. Mm-hmm. Its reception... Eh, was mixed so imdb rating is 7.2 out of 10 the rotten tomatoes rating uh is 52 percent from critics and 79 percent from the audience the metacritic rating is 47 percent from critics and uh the user rating is 7.6 out of 10 so you see a pretty stark difference here critics did not find it overly they didn't have a great reception didn't give it a good reception whereas audiences seem to overly overall enjoy it uh it wasn't like amazing amazing and but it wasn't terrible or as bad as the critics thought it was and it's always been one of those movies though too that's had like a little bit of a cult following where the people that like like fantasy tend to enjoy willow willow's a good movie Mm -hmm. I, i would say that too like when i was just about to say like i always felt like it was a good movie it's not something i'm like oh my gosh gotta watch willow every year right but Uh, I had watched it once previously, enjoyed it, and then with this rewatch, I left like, hey, had a good time. No, same with me. I, I've watched Willow once or twice before, have always thought, you know, like, oh, you know, that was a solid fantasy movie. I enjoyed that enough. And then on the rewatch I did for the podcast here, I actually left laughing at some of the 80s cheesiness, of course, <laughs> but overall, like being yeah. pretty impressed with the movie and enjoying it. Yeah, uh, my my wife laughed at some of the scenes as well. She watched some of it and she found some of it very, very funny. Uh, in other parts, she just like scratched, kind of was like, what's going on? Um, especially with the brownies. But, <laughs> yeah, the brownies are insane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. And looking looking back at this movie and the visual effects that was used in this movie and thinking about when it was released, which was, you know, 1988, at the time, this probably was pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Uh, it has not aged incredibly well, but it <laughs> no, didn't. Not really. <laughs> it didn't look like hot garbage <laughs> by any means. It was nothing close to the uh, animated Lord of the Rings movie we had covered earlier in the year. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Why don't we go ahead and we'll start here with the story and just kind of go through the kind of give a broad swath of the story and kind of talk about our overall impressions with that so when we open up we're in sort of a 
medieval dystopian fantasy realm. And you have uh, Queen Bevmarda, who is Sorsha's mother, who is this evil empress or evil queen. And she's also a witch. And Mm -hmm. uh, she has this reign of terror over the countryside. A prophecy was made that a child would come, a girl would come bearing this mark and this child would be her downfall. So what does Queen Bebmarta do? But she imprisons all the mothers in her kingdom that are pregnant and she's forcing them to show, like have give birth in her dungeons basically and then show her the baby so she can find the baby before, you know, it's released into the world. Uh, Needless to say, obviously, even though she had apparently every woman in her realm, uh, the baby got out through uh, the midwife who was then hunted down by these wolves, which were really just dogs in a costume. <laughs> it looked like. <laughs> they are, were actually, the term that's used for them is the Nakamar hounds. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wolf I, dogs in costumes. <laughs> I am looking, I'm hopefully, hopeful we'll get to see them again with maybe a little bit more of a Some uh, more CGI up, behind if them. If you will. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a glow up because they were interesting. I will say this about Willow overall. Like we didn't really get a lot of fantastical element like creatures outside of the brownies and the dogs and maybe the witches. We got some ogres or trolls and then we also got like the beast that the one troll was turned into. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I completely forgot about that entire scene. Wait until we get there. Okay. Anyway, um, so Bevmarda is, you know, given this prophecy, and obviously when the girl escapes, she's upset and she wants hunted down and found. She's sending her daughter after the baby, and she's given another prophecy from one of her lackeys, and he says that her daughter will betray her, and Sorsha doesn't believe him, and says that she would, uh, <laughs> she would, She'd find it more likely that he betrayed her than her daughter. And uh, I thought that was interesting. It was kind of a cool little mm. line or nod. I was like, yeah, you go. Maybe he's right, the one. Some faith in your daughter. Yeah, like you're you're all about the family thing. But yeah, what were your thoughts about Queen Bev Marta and sort of this beginning part of this story, Dylan? So my overarching thoughts on this part of the story here with Bab Morda and the prophecy and everything like that is that it really suffered from a lack of being fleshed out. I felt like, wait, so why is this baby going to be Bab Morda's downfall? Like what is, is it one of those things where like by hearing the prophecy that the baby is going to be her downfall, the baby is going to be her downfall based on how Bab Morda reacts to it. Is it going to be one of those things like, oh, this baby's going to come and have, like, some mystical power that, like, will cleanse all the evil out of the world or, or like, is it a chosen one prophecy? Yeah. And it seems to me to be kind of, like, a mixture of the first and last I talked about there, where, like, because Bav Morda did these things, the prophecy ends up coming true. But also um, the child who is um, alone, Eliza Doran, something like that, Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know the name of the baby there, Mike? No, I don't. I didn't write that down. So, the child. Um, so we'll just say the, the child, child. Yeah, <laughs> the, the child, child in the pro- Aurora Doran. <laughs> okay. Yep. 
So Alora Doran, the child there, uh-huh. kind of also is like that chosen one who's going to be like the person who brings back a golden age or something. And so by not having it be super clear about what the prophecy actually entailed, as well as just kind of like why we're supposed to be invested in this, um, it, I felt a little bit of a little bit of a suspension of belief have to having to have to happen in order to be engaged with the movie. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. However, I did still enjoy it. Um, the beginning part here, I thought that it was easy to root for a baby escaping the mouths of wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I no, thought definitely. that the midwife who ends up taking Alora Doran and like running away with her and basically sacrifices herself to make it so that this child floats down the river and while well, she's eaten by wolves instead of being the wolf's meal herself. Um, I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, I also did kind of enjoy how Bev Morda kind of reminded me of Maleficent a little bit. Oh yeah. From, Di- from Disney and from Snow White where like just the look of Maleficent uh, kind of, Definitely, you can tell, played a role in how Beth Morta was portrayed. And I think that's a cool look for an evil empress. So I was down for it. Yeah. it You saying that does kind of give this sort of like uh, Sleeping Beauty vibes in some sense, you know. Oh, it was Sleeping Beauty, not Snow White. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, they both fell asleep, right? They did. <laughs> but I, I agree with you that there needed to be just a little bit more into Bev Morda's um, reasoning or having prophecy magic sort of explains like how it worked in this universe. Yeah. Like some motivation almost. Yeah. And I, I, I think this is, I saw this posted somewhere and I couldn't agree more. I really wouldn't have mind if they did a series that focused on the younger versions of Queen Bev Morda and the other witches I would have liked that actually. And have that and have that explained in this world, in this universe, because in this movie, magic is, you know, this really powerful thing, but it's not really explained too much. Uh, Like who can use it and who can't, and it outside of like you just have to sort of believe in yourself, I guess. But it's always, I I mean, for me, that's kind of a focus because I, I really enjoy that aspect of like these different universes, how does the magic system work? And I feel like leaving Willow, that was something I kind of still had a lot of questions about, but yeah. So, so I think that is something like that, that with there being no source material outside of George Lucas's own mind. Yeah. Like that's something that is evident about why, how the world's not fully fleshed out because there hasn't been, a thousand page book written about this world. It's all kind of made up on the go kind of they're flying by the seat of their pants almost. I'm sure that George Lucas wrote some notes and everything, but I don't know like how well he fully fleshed out the world himself in his own mind before coming to, to like promote this movie. I wonder if they ever had plans to do more movies, you know, maybe they were like expecting this to really dominate and then they'd make like a trilogy Maybe, but, especially with the success of Star Wars in the 80s. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But anywho, we'll just pick up from there. So we have the Daughter of Prophecy, and she floats down the river. And where does she end up but at Warwick Davis or Willow 
uh, Ufgood's farm. <laughs> His children are playing over by the river, see this baby floating down, call for their dad, who is Willow, and he's, you know, trying to plow the field and whatnot, and uh, <laughs> basically he wants to turn the baby away, send it back down the river because it's not going to be anything but bad luck or ill omens for his family. And uh, eventually we have him taking the baby in, finding out that, you know, when the wolves chase it down and attack the village where he lives, that he needs to go on a quest to return this baby to mankind and a specific kingdom where she'll be safe and yeah, it sort of sets out this grand quest. And I, I'm skipping a lot just for, you know, sake of kind of getting through the story rather quickly. Yeah, for the sake of brevity. Yes, but I, I do want to just take a moment to just talk about, like, Willow's community and how I really hope we get to get more of them in the Willow show because... The Nelwyn? The Nelwyn, yes. Because, um, you know, they were probably one of the best parts of the movie, really. Yeah, they were a highlight. Uh, and they, I mean, very much building off of Hobbit vibes and mm-hmm. not just because of stature or anything, but very much because it's like a farming community. Everyone seems to be very peaceful and outside of, they actually have warriors, which is different than Hobbits. But, they do. Yeah. But I mean, everyone is very peaceful, very happy. It's very rural and, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting and cool community and group of people. Yeah, no, I was really enjoying the Nelwyn. Um, like you said, I felt like they were the an, one of the better parts of the movie here and one of the more fleshed out parts of the movie as well. Because like you see that Willow is a farmer, but he's more than that. He's an aspiring sorcerer who wants to do magic. And like there's a contest, I guess, like every year or something to see if their sorcerer will take on a new apprentice. And... Willow wants to do it. He wants to become a sorcerer and he's turned away basically because he doesn't trust his gut enough to believe in himself to give the answer that he wanted to give, which would have been the right answer. Instead, he goes with another guess that, you know, is the the incorrect answer to this question that the sorcerer of the town asks to like, see if he'll take in uh, an apprentice or not. Yeah. And that's, this is where my comment about magic just being from the heart, because that was the right answer. Like, it's you have to believe kind of in yourself in order to do magic. And Will doesn't ever really do magic in this movie, does he? He does not. No. Well, he does. He does. At the very end. He, yes. just doesn't, he never does the magic he intends to do. Ah, yes. Except yes. for twice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so... But he ends up becoming a great wizard, apparently. Uh, and that seems to be the premise of the show, at least. Or He's going to be called we know that he does some kind of wizard. Yeah, we know that he does end up becoming a wizard. And we know that that's the premise for the show coming up. But we don't know, like, how or anything like that. And I'm sure that there will be some backstory in the, in the show here as well. Yeah. But just one more thing I wanted to mention about Willow in his town there was how... He was kind of ostracized. He was picked on by oh, yeah, other other Nelwyn because of his belief of wanting to be a sorcerer. Because mm-hmm. he, like, just was the town outsider. And he that made him, like, a prime candidate to go on this magical quest or this grand quest to go out there and do the right thing to try and 
prevent his family from being viewed in a bad light because they were the cause of the problem since they had Alora Doran. And then, you know, the rest of the Nelwyn community would have been like, oh, you're the reason we're getting chased down by wolves. But yeah, all in all, like definitely lots of strong Hobbit vibes with some extra warriors going on in there too, since there were some Nelwyn warriors that took down a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool to see that. Um, but yes, he ends up going on a quest. The sorcerer of the town basically tells him like, Hey, you just need to believe in yourself. You can become a sorcerer after they have a little conversation. He gives him some acorns, I believe. Yeah. He gives him some magical in... acorns that <laughs> will turn someone to stone. If he throws them at them. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> he does end up using them. He does one time. <laughs> I was waiting for them to be more important, but alas, they weren't. <laughs> I, I, I thought they were too, but yeah, I agree. They were not. Anyway, him and his folk that are going with him to see him to the human community are on their way. And as they're traveling, um, they end up getting to the area pretty much uneventfully, right? Yeah, fairly uneventful. Nothing happens. They just camp and then they get to these crossroads. Mm-hmm. Where they find a certain uh, certain <laughs> Kilmurray person waiting in a cage. Yeah, Val Kilmer or Mad Mardigan is in a cage. Uh, I I don't really know what those are called, but it's kind of like a crow's nest cage or something yeah, like that. Basically, like he's supposed to die, and and feed birds of prey. Uh, basically, because he's done so many crimes or whatever, and he alludes to being a great swordsman and is trying to get them to get him out of the cage he calls them a speck right a peck peck yes uh it which is a definitely like a derogatory term to them because of their height uh and you know eventually most of willow's compatriots leave him and head back to the nelwyn community because they're like yo we're not we're done we got the baby here just leave it and let's go and he's like, no. Right, so they, like, they're willing to give him to Mad Mardigan, who asks for them to let him out of the cage, and in exchange, he'll take care of the baby. Yeah. And more than half, all but Willow and his one friend, uh, Migosh, were like, yeah, go ahead, you can have the baby, we're out. And But Migosh and Willow were like, no, we want somebody who's not a villain, <laughs> a person who looks like a villain in a cage, all dirty and raggedy like there's got to be someone better than this right the answer is no (laughs) there isn't no and this is actually represented pretty nicely when you have the kingdom uh well a kingdom's army kind of travel through the crossroads and you know one of the captains recognizes mad mardigan and they have sort of a back and forth and he's like and the guy's like i'm not gonna let you out like you finally got what you deserved but it does seem like Mad Mardigan is a good swordsman, but that he is not a very honest or trustworthy person. Which And he proves that throughout the movie. <laughs> do you think so? I think he proves to be both a good swordsman and dishonest. But he also, you see some growth with him throughout the movie where he starts off way more dishonest and way more of a, a scoundrel than he ends up. Yeah, and I don't think he ever really... I'd almost disagree a little bit about the untrustworthy part. Well, I would just say what happens next is a key example of it, where 
the brownies end up taking Alora Doran from Mad Mardigan once Willow gives him to her or gives her to him. And then Mad Mardigan just goes on his way and well, yeah, <laughs> but that, bully he said abandons he would, the baby. He said he'd watch the baby and like get it to the next community. But if it was taken from him, like, you know what I mean? It's almost like, oh, my responsibility is taken care of. He didn't care about the baby. He never said he would. But like, I, you know, I think there's a difference there between being untrustworthy and doing the right thing. Like, he didn't lie about holding on to the baby when they ran ca- caught up with him. I, I don't know. Like, I guess I wanted him to almost just lead them to be like, oh, yeah, we just found the baby on the side of the road. Not we took it from him. Yeah, I think that would have been a better example of him sort of being completely untrustworthy and just like not caring. Whereas like, oh, I mean, we do also find him in a tavern um, carousing with another man's wife. Yes, but yes, disguising himself as a woman to try to escape punishment for that. (laughs) But I mean, from this moment on, he's helping Willow pretty much unconditionally. I, I maybe maybe not unconditionally, but yes. Outside of outside of when they're both running for their lives from uh, Sorsha's troops who catch up to Willow and Mad Mardigan in the tavern and are you know are chasing him because they want the baby. Like after that point, like they're kind of together. Willow and Mad Mardigan for the for the hall. Yeah, I mean, I almost view it as they are together because they have to be. Because Mad Mardigan knows that these soldiers are after Willow. They've seen him with Willow and the baby. They're going to be after him, too. Okay. And so, I don't know. I I never really viewed it throughout the movie as Mad Mardigan being, like, this Aragorn type of character, this hero character. He's way more of, like, a hero by chance, kind of hero by necessity type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay, I, I could get that. I just, like, I think that instance where after they escape Sorsha's troops and they're walking through the field and they have two of the brownies with them there and, um, you know, they, which I'm skipping a big point, like a big... Yeah, we're skipping a lot of stuff A here. big thing, <laughs> but, like, he's almost like, he's, like, looking at the baby just kind of like, I don't know, he's, he has an attachment to her. Yeah, no, he does, he definitely does have some growth. And I think, like you said, he does develop feelings for the baby like caring for the baby and everything in fact like getting way ahead here like it's implied that he becomes the baby's new dad yes um but in between here they basically uh after they escape Sorsha's troops they find out that this great fairy witch or great witch who's entrusted yes yeah, great fairy queen witch lady yeah, who is not yeah. in this realm who was banished from because of queen Bepmarda. not quite sure on all that like that part was a little strange to me um, right like Bevmorda like overpowered her and then like transfigured her from a like a humanoid form into an animal form oh no that's the other witch oh so oh, this okay. is the one yeah. where when because the brownies capture a willow right and um this might have even been before yeah so it was queen shalindra so uh, queen shalindria yes and she and so trusts... she's the fairy queen yes. sorceress who like gives willow her wand mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff but yeah i have no idea like why she's like not present but she's in like a different realm you are right 
Yeah, I don't remember, um, you know, and I didn't take notes on that, like a silly fool. But uh, <laughs> he gets the wand and basically uh, finds out that he's, you know, that the girl trusts him and so he will be her protector. And Right, she know, chose him as her protector. Yes, and he, she also wants Mad Bardigan. And so he's, in, he's entrusted with this wand and told to find this other witch who, like you said, when they do eventually get there, has been transformed from a woman into a, like, almost like squirrel. Into <laughs> uh, some kind of animal. Yes, and apparently she was uh, transformed by Queen Beth Marta. It's very eerie, like, when he's, because she's out on this island, and so he rows out to this island, and there's just skulls all over this island. You're like, what are we getting into? And then all of a sudden, right. Just, little creature i for some reason was just like oh yeah he's gonna change her back and then it's gonna be this awful like monster he like changed back into it wasn't actually like the good witch it was an evil witch who yeah Uh, for some reason i had worse than bev marta yeah or not worse than bev marta but basically like you know just another evil witch and he was gonna have to end up taking her out too and i i Mm. i think i was misremembering obviously but it's interesting because as we go through the movie, I feel like I kept getting more and more evidence that she was not a good person. And let me explain why. And as I'm doing yeah, this, please we'll, do. we'll kind of go through the story too. So two birds with one storm. stone. So obviously when we get to this island, there's all these skulls and, you know, obviously she did this, right? She had done that at some point. It's not like... Did she? Oh, who else would have done that? I don't know. Maybe she was just put there for punishment with all maybe the skulls. Maybe she was. Maybe she was. I don't know, but I assumed, always kind of assumed that. So that was sort of a leery start. Then as, you know, they leave the island and they're go- they're going and she wants Willow to change her back. Uh, they end up getting captured by Sorsha because Mad Mardigan had left the party. He felt like he had done what he needed to do and... He started to leave. Sorsha captured Man Mardigan, and he led them to Willow and the baby. And so they were all captured. And then, uh, you know, Willow's trying to change the witch back into her human form. It's not going so well. He ends up changing her from the little squirrel thing into a bird. Into a couple <laughs> yes. different things. But it was always, like, very kind of a creepy transformation. Uh, and so it sort of was hinting at almost like this weird thing underneath and then we uh keep going on here and as sorsha and all of them are traveling together val kilmer ends up getting fairy dust thrown on him from one of the brownies <laughs> which is makes him fall in love with sorsha and uh right as, right as they're escaping the camp uh because the brownies help <laughs> man martigan pretty much almost gets him captured again because he you know kisses sorsha and because he kisses sorsha though he ends up start changing her mind it was kind of cheesy but you know it is what it is definitely cheesy Um, definitely cheesy but they escape (laughs) they escape this camp by sledding i want to say and basically sledding (laughs) they get into this other village where they find the the soul the leftover soldiers from that army that went through the crossroads and they were completely destroyed by bev marta's forces yeah yeah and um so you get you get the you get the idea that oh wow like yeah Beth Mord is pretty strong, 
And so uh, they're still trying to get to this specific kingdom where they'll be safe and they're supposed to get the child to. So, you know, with those soldiers' help, they end up continue continuing on. They end up taking Sorsha as a prisoner, which sort of is just building this relationship between Sorsha and Val Kilmer's character, Mad Mardigan. Yeah. Which pans out when they get to the next village or the next kingdom, the castle they get to. Uh, when they get there, though, you know, they're expecting like this royal army, this huge army, because it's this was where they were told to go. This was the end of their journey. Right. right. This was like their like the end Gondor. of the quest. This was where. Yeah. yeah, this was their safety. But they go to go in and it's all in ruins. All of the people who live there had been turned to stone. Turned to stone and trolls were there. And trolls were there. And tro- the trolls did make me think of the uh, Lord of the Rings cartoon a little bit. I like the orcs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the witch tells Willow to, you know, hit him with a spell. And he does. And, or, yeah. And he transforms him into these monstrous things. These monsters. and Almost like a Hydra type of yes. evil, like, beast. And yeah. so, like, you have to think about this too, Dylan. Like, as I was saying... You know, you've sort of been getting these weird vibes from the witch. She just wants him to change him, change her back. She hasn't been like selflessly helpful. Uh, she's been very much, you know, m- focused on herself. Very, like, I'd almost want to say like kind of selfish. And maybe this is just again me because I had this idea in my head and I was going with it. But and then she tells him to fire off this spell, and when he does, like, she doesn't like. Oh no, that was the wrong spell. Like this seemed to be the intended spell and then it creates this mm. monstrous thing it's almost like wow she's telling him to use dark magic and because he's using it like all these bad things are happening um right because then the like hydra creature he ends up creating out of the troll ends up attacking the trolls the army yeah them him, yeah. like everybody yeah and it takes the army <laughs> and them to bring it down but they do end up getting uh almost captured sorsha ends up fighting with val kilmer you know halfway through and she's basically defected and the general of queen bavmarta's army does get the child does and, take alora dannon yeah, yeah and get brings her back to queen bavmarta and uh <laughs> so they meet up with the remaining troops there and they're all like, we have to go and stop Queen Bev Marta from sacrificing the child. Otherwise, all is lost. So, you know, they go up to the castle of Queen Bev Marta. They make a camp. They're like, we're going to attack you. You guys can surrender. Queen Bev Marta's up there laughing and she turns all the soldiers into pigs. And so, uh, real quick, Mike, yes. this right here was one of the examples of Willow doing successful magic. Well, he also successfully turned the troll, which you reminded me of. Well, that's true as well, yes. So, Not this is another example but... where he does, he's told by Rizel, the sorceress yes. who is trapped in the animal form. The evil sorceress, yes. To do this spell, and it will prevent <laughs> him and the people like in his immediate vicinity of being turned into pigs by Bav Morda. So he's going on, he's doing his chant, he's doing it, and lo and behold, it works. So Willow is able to do some successful magic. Yep, and uh, what does she have him do after he does that? Oh, change me back. And so he's, Yeah, change me back. He does change her back, <laughs> and we get our first glimpse at her, and she does look like the witch from 
Snow White. <laughs> well, to her credit, she does say, I was young and beautiful. What happened to me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been like 80 years or 50 years. Yeah, it's, it's been. been like a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. And that's why, like, too, I said at the beginning, I, I really would like a sort of a... Like a witch's prequel on, show? Yeah, or like Queen Bev Marta's Rise, right? Yeah, Where did Queen Bev Marta star and, you know, her interactions with these other witches, like, all of that would be really interesting. But she she comes out and she's like, okay, well, if we get, you know, basically gets all the pig soldiers into the tent and changes them all back into humans with the wand and they're like, okay, we have an element of surprise. And so they end up digging, right? Oh, no, they, they end up digging small holes and all hiding in these holes willow and the witch go up to the gate and they're like hey like you know we're gonna still take you on and they just laugh at him and send out a few soldiers to kill him but the minute that drawbridge is down all the soldiers who they thought were pigs are now turned into people and they charge into the castle and yes starts the final battle because queen beth morda is in the process of yeah she's in the process of banishing um, Alora Danon out of this realm and into another one where she will be gone forever. Yeah, instead of just killing her, like she was just having, like that didn't make any sense to me. I don't know, like if there was like something more with the prophecy that like she needed to follow these steps to get rid of her, or what? Like if like maybe if she killed Alora Alora Danon, then another baby would be born mm. or whatever. But if she kept her alive and just banished her to another realm, it would be, she couldn't yeah. harm her. She couldn't harm her. And then, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see. And I, I feel like this movie was primed to have a sequel of some kind, because I don't think we've yeah. got enough information about Queen, Queen Beth Morda in that sense. Um, but it's okay. Um, anyway, so we, have them up there doing the ceremony and Sorsha and Willow and um, Giselle. Rizelle. Yeah, go up and basically Willow is too scared to go in. So Rizelle and Sorsha go in. Sorsha take cares, takes care of uh, Queen Bookmart's lackeys and then she gets knocked against the wall by her mom and then uh, mm-hmm. Giselle and uh Queen Buff Marta just end up having a duel and it's interesting because they both just are aging like right in front of your eyes and becoming right, uglier right. almost. And that that sort of also Dylan made me think about like maybe she like maybe Giselle is like evil and like just sort of like the lesser of two evils almost. But dang. Yeah, I sort of that's kind of where my thought process was going with that, but I guess it, it didn't end up holding true, but if as I said, it would really make me interested to see a prequel series with them. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think that'd be a very entertaining series. Uh, but yeah, you have Bev Morda and Rizelle, uh fighting it off and everything, and Rizelle's not able to fully take on Bev Morda. No, she doesn't have the wand. Oh, she so, did. Um, she did. She did. Yeah, she did have the wand. But even with ah. the wand, she wasn't able to. And then yeah. it ends up being Willow who comes in yeah. and um, uses his not real magic well, trick. Hold on, hold on. He uses the acorn first. Yes. And so he throws the acorn in it. Or the Queen Bedmore is like, oh, what's this? Boom. Hits her. 
And then she slowly starts turning a stone. And I'm like, oh, snap. You know, it's going to actually come into play. And then she's like, oh, fix. Boom. Done. And then Willow actually gets Bev Morda by doing sleight of hand, which he's really good at. And like, because he can do like fake magic tricks, which he did back in his village for laughs and everything. Um, but he gets her with sleight of hand, making her think that he got rid of um, Alora Dannon. And then Beth Morda's like, where'd she go? And then Willow ends up tricking Beth Morda into banishing herself to this other dimension she was trying to send Alora Dan into. And then, you know, she's bye-bye. And then we have a celebration afterwards where everyone is all happy. We see the forced coupling of Sorsha and Mad Mardigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we see, you know, Willow getting to go home and be celebrated as a hero, basically, for... For saving his village as well as his dedication to the child of Alora Dannon that he was able to save. But one thing I wanted to talk about here before we uh, talk about like the rest of the ending and major takeaways and stuff like that was how would the Nelwyn community really react to the downfall of Bav Morda? Like, do you feel like they were, like, intimidated by her when she was in power? What are your thoughts on that? So that's this This is a good question because I don't think this was ever really explained. Like, Bev Mord is supposed to be this evil queen and this prophecy is laid against her, right? But she right. wasn't checking the children of all these other communities. No. All these no. other kingdoms. So what would have happened if it was born in another kingdom, you know? Um, but I, that didn't seem to be kind of a worry. It seemed like... She was almost just like, I'm the evil queen, and people were coming to her to fight her almost. Yeah. It didn't seem like she was interested in taking over places. It was more like, oh, people are coming to me to try to overthrow me. I'm yeah. just going to sit here and defend myself and murder you all. Yeah. <laughs> or if, you know, like that other kingdom, she went and turned everyone to stone. Like, okay, you're going to be a threat? Fine. I'll just go over there and I'll just get wipe you out. But, right. you know, like the Nelwyn community, it's like, oh, they're no threat to me. And so I, she didn't worry about them or do anything with them. Maybe she would send someone to go get taxes from them, but I think they would be scared of her. Yeah. So another thing I was kind of curious about, like with Willow lore kind of in general, and I know mm -hmm. like there's no answer for, for us that we have or anything because uh, there's no book for us to have read. But how is Laura Dannon supposed to be a princess you know what I mean? Like, she's supposed to be like this lost princess to that stony, ruined kingdom where all the trolls were. <laughs> and she, like, her mom didn't seem like she was like a like a captured queen or anything. I don't know. It's a good question, Dolan. Um, I think she is one of the things that wasn't really fleshed out either. Yes, this mm -hmm. prophecy was a was about her, but it really wasn't her that saved the day. Right. It was Willow. It, I mean, which you could say, oh, is because of her. But I mean, that sort of goes back to what you had said about the prophecy. Was it, you know, because of her? Was it uh, because of the actions right. Queen Bob Marta like self-fulfilling prophecy. Took? Yeah. You, and I don't think we'll ever know. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. And as I was telling you before, we uh, started recording this episode uh, <laughs> for the third time. Um, <laughs> um what they do with the show because yeah. there is no book 
And so they can do anything, which is really exciting because they could do so many neat things with it that we can't even honestly probably, I mean, we could think of, but right now I'm just like, I have no idea what they're going to do. And that's, that, that's really exciting. They're not pigeonholed into following a story. They're creating this as they go. Right. So everything they do is canon, whatever they end up doing. That's, that's canon. Yes, it is. And that, I mean, that's with great power comes great responsibility. Right. But I think the Willow universe is just so ripe for, uh, you know, just building on. And so it's, it's, I think that's one of the things that attracted Disney to it as well is that, like, because the new series is going to be on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And so, like, why not take this property that probably was a super small fraction of the cost of Lord of the Rings or Wheel of Time oh, or yeah. any of these other more well-established properties? Why not take this very inexpensive property and do anything you want with it and... I'm just thinking, like you said, possibilities are endless because they have no source material to kind of have to stick to. They can do anything they want to. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, if we'll see, like, a return of Bath Morda type of situation. That was something it would if, you know, since we're kind of talking about the future, that was something I was thinking would happen. Like, that would Mm -hmm. be a big motivation is, oh, like. Bad Morta was sent to another realm, but now she's in this weird like limbo or ghost witch, or she's trying to resurrect herself or something else like that. And so now they're going on this journey to sort of make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, all in all, I also think, you know, again, I know nothing about this show coming out here. I think that's exciting too. Oh yeah. Um, Just kind of blindly speculating here, (laughs) but like seeing what, um, Laura Dannon looks like and acts like as a fully fleshed out character and being an adult character herself. Uh, I think that will be interesting too. If she's involved in the series, I have no idea. I'm assuming she is. Oh, I would almost put money on the fact that she is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I think she has to be, I think she has to be as well. I mean, like why else do it? <laughs> But yeah, so Mike, uh, what are your overall thoughts on Willow here? Like, what were your big takeaways from the movie? What were your, what are some things you're hoping for for the series? I know we kind of talked about that a little bit, but go yeah, for it. Sort of recap. Overall, movie is good. Um, really, not too many complaints visually. The effects <coughs> and stuff, obviously, those have date, dated themselves, and the brownies are a little pro- problematic <laughs> <laughs> in some of the things they say. And I know we didn't talk too much about them, but. They're almost like borrower-sized people, um, you know, and uh, they're they're there for comedy relief, but they are they are a little they do provide that in some like they they, they didn't age very well either. Uh, but overall, the movie's good. I enjoyed it. I like that you know George Lucas had this idea for this story, and he really wanted to see it through. And they used a lot of actors that honestly probably wouldn't be seen as main characters in a lot of other stories franchises movies and they were given a shot here and they like uh warwick davis showed he he can do a really good job and i think that is underappreciated i do and i'm really excited for the future because this sets a really interesting world and interesting foundation 
even though like the overall story isn't like anything mind-blowing in terms of like you know uh, child of prophecy and all that like it's kind of been done but Mm -hmm. the world is really interesting and it's rife uh ripe for this series to sort of build on and so i'm excited to experience more of the world of willow what about you dylan yeah so i just want to echo what you said like when would you see Warwick Davis being the main character of a show or a TV or or movie or anything like that? I think it's fantastic. Um, it's an opportunity for him to show his acting chops in a way that was completely like unique mm-hmm. because you don't see even in like fantasy in general, like you don't see many Hobbit like creatures being the main characters of your typical fantasy novels. And that's one of the things that made Lord of the Rings so unique. Um, It's also one of the things that makes Willow very unique. Um, I do find myself enjoying Willow the movie. I think that it's far from perfect, very cheesy in some parts. (laughs) The brownies are ridiculous. (laughs) Yes, they are. But I do think all in all, you know, it is an entertaining fantasy show, fantasy movie to watch. And I think that when we're looking back at it, it's just one of those movies that like you said, I'm never like, oh, I got to watch this every year, trilogy time. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, like a one-off every now and then. Be like, you know, I'll watch Willow again. That was good. I haven't seen it in a while. And just go back to it. Um, I do think it's a fun movie, definitely able to be enjoyed by the whole family. Um, I think that it's just a fun fantasy romp. Very, you know, very entertaining for what it is. And like you said, I'm entertained enough that i'm interested in finding out more about the world i want to see like what they do with this world they've been given and see what avenues they pursue if they go down like that standard fantasy trope path of like returning villain from being banished type of thing or you know like oh she wasn't really the power there's another power that was behind her the whole time yeah. type of situation maybe Rizel is evil and she's the real baddie um but who knows um yeah i'm just excited to see what they do with the willow tv series and going on from there more willow's yeah. not a bad thing no all right well with all of that said i think that we're gonna wrap it up there and this is gonna be two nerds signing off see ya see ya